Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of London's Prince. My name is Kiana Fairley and I am the author and face behind the memoir London's Prince in which I recently published in September. Uh, Today's episode I'm really excited about as with the rest of the episodes I've done but I am going to be featuring my first male guest which um, is a really good friend of mine that I have met um, and still am in the process of getting to know within the last two years. Um, And the topic today, or primarily the topic, is uh, our just dating and black love. So it's kind of like a combination of my letter to black men, um, but this really kind of encompasses the black foundation of family relationships, what black men are thinking, not all of them, but from this person's perspective, and uh, just really what women are potentially lacking or what we don't notice or identify in ways in which we can improve ourselves. Um, Dating today is extremely different from in the past, and what better way to share some insight, not just into my thoughts, but also one of a single black male um, who is actually on the scene. So before that, um, in the conversations, we do touch on the importance of our relationship with our parents and in a woman's relationship with her parents. And so I wanted to touch base on a few of the chapters in the book prior to going into the interview. And one especially was, is called A Letter to My Father. And this was written by myself, of course, and it's in uh, London's Prince of Memoir. It is a letter that I had wrote to my father um, in which I thought it was necessary for my healing process because it, we have been disconnected. However, I have come to realize how our relationship and our lack of a relationship or our connection um, really affects my dating life as an adult. And so I wrote this because I noticed that, for one, a lot of the men that I was choosing or that I was dating um, was a reflection of who my father was. And one of the reasons why, or the primary reason why my father and I have not spoke in a while was because the man that I chose to marry was my father and who he used to be. So he saw uh, what was coming before it came. And I identified with that. So I realized that my relationship with my father was my first love. And it was extremely important for me to learn how to kind of as an adult take responsibility in the healing process so that I can choose or make better choices in my future. So I'm going to go into the chapter and I'm going to read to you a letter to my father. Dad, or maybe I should refer to you as, I will keep him nameless, because the term doesn't seem fitting. Ayanna always says, if you want to see the ending, look at the beginning. You set the tone for the men in my life, hence the lack I've had, luck I've had in relationships. My first love was with a man who didn't know his father or love himself. 
You are the reason I give people so many chances. You changed. You changed on your own time after suffering from alcohol and drug addiction. You changed after loving my mother with your broken love, only to give other women the love she deserved. You gave up an addiction and learned to dress up your truth and to conceal your darkness. You gave up being a parent because you never really had one. There are six children of all whom have different mothers besides two who experience love with you part-time. I'm going to be honest. I always felt like you were doing what you had to do as opposed to doing what you wanted. I felt like a burden. Your love for me was unique, but definitely not unconditional. I did everything I could to make you proud of me. How could you not see that I yearned for your attention and affection? I lost my firstborn son after a f- have I have a four-year-old and you have n- you were never present. But how can I expect you to be present for me when you're not present for yourself? The pain of your past haunts you because you have not chosen to heal your past wounds. I recall the day the nurse attempted to draw your blood. She was a flirtatious and excited. She was flirtatious and excited to have an attractive patient to draw. The conversation ceased as she realized the difficulty to draw blood from your veins. Your skin healed, but underneath the abuse of your veins remained. Only a professional would understand why. Your surface was clean, but underneath your po- you poisoned your seeds with the pain of your past. Your broken love and lack of self-knowledge has affected me as a 33-year-old woman. The karma you created set the tone for my life. Only difference is I pan- plan to fight. I married you. You couldn't stand my son's father, but he was a reflection of you. He was a lost soul hurting women with his broken love. He also dragged others through their emotions while trying to find self. Each man I have dealt with carries some symbol of you. The abandonment, emotionally unavailable, and the I'm not there yet, but I will be back when I am. You planted six seeds in cement. Each seed you planted only having alone. Each seed you planted only having a piece of you part-time. You are alive, but never stood up for me. Let alone walk walk down the aisle to give me away to a loving man. You are the reason I continue to find men who fall short of my basic needs as a woman. Every man who I encounter tells me that they can't give me what I need. My insecurities bring me back to the little girl who wanted the emotional connection with her father. She wanted a man to show up. She needed a man to be present. Out of all the women in your life, I genuinely loved you. My mother didn't understand why, but it's a bond between a father and daughter. You loved me the only way you knew how. I know now I don't have to accept that from men. I can love them, but not accept the love they are willing to give. It has been years since we have spoken, and the seed you planted in cement is struggling in love to flourish. Your grandson saved me. Where you and other men have left me wilted, he unknowingly waters me. Your children are what sustain you. They give you a sense of purpose. I don't understand why you would shut them out. I've learned to live without you. I'm all set with part-time love. Children should not have to ask for love. Human contact and love is proven to help children grow. This was denied to me by, by you because of what you were taught. You were my first love, the one responsible for showing me love, and you left me heartbroken. My beginning will not be my end because I'm aware of the pattern. I am breaking through the semen and the cycle of broken love. 
I now know how to love from a distance. Just know that through all your flaws, your pain, and your past, your little brown girl always loved you. So this was written, like I said, because of my reflection and me identifying with the fact that something was affecting my dating life. And I came to terms with the fact that my relationship with my father, my experience with him was all reflecting or mirroring to me and my choices when it came to men. And it is imperative for us as women to be mindful of that and when things are not going as we expect in our relationships or on the dating scene, we have to take accountability and take a look in the mirror. And we can't expect for people to change. We have to be responsible for our own change. And with that being said, once I decided to do the work, I saw an increase in the type of man that I was attracting. I, I desired more and I expected more and they showed up. So once they finally show up um, and when you're in the dating scene, it's so interesting how... Um, I personally realized that I was attracting a lot of men that were just emotionally just not ready to commit. And I started to identify with the fact that I wasn't committing to myself. I wasn't committing to my needs and I was meeting people in that middle ground because that's exactly where the hell I was. And so I was talking to someone and this person had mentioned to me about uh, an epiphany or something that came across their mind and I wrote in regards or I was inspired to write because of that person's epiphany in that conversation that we had that day and so I am gonna go into the brief writing of epiphany he said he couldn't see his life without me but his epiphany of us wasn't aligned with my dream of what we could be so I had to let him go I was the woman that fed him intellectually, challenged his thoughts, while the others fulfilled his sexual cravings. A woman of substance is hard to come by. In a society full of savages, I had to let him go as a reminder for him and a confirmation of strength for me. So sometimes the best thing to do is just to step away and let people go. I know from my previous relationships with men, I took it upon myself to fall into that nurturing role and try to fix them or try to change them. Um, I wanted to help them. I wanted to make them become the best version of themselves. And sometimes we have an epiphany as women. We can see things or foresight a future with someone not realizing the work that it takes and not realizing the work that it's going to take on the other person's part, not ours. And so I was falling in love with potential. I would see a guy that I could work with as opposed to a ready-made man. And when I got my love offerings or when I received my love offerings from men, 
I realized that a lot of times their broken version of love was not what I was expecting. And so I had to distance myself. And letting go doesn't mean that love is not there. Letting go is the greatest form of love. And that's what I've learned. Because when you actually learn to let something go and allow them the freedom to find themselves, even if it's not beneficial to you, that you're doing so for them, it provides them the space to grow, uh, provides them the space to really think about what it is that they need and want in their life. And it may or may not be you. But I think the greatest form of love is to let someone go and to find themselves. And even though someone feels that maybe they don't want, they can't see themselves without you, but it's not fitting for where you're going, you have to let it go. And so letting go has allowed me to see that it makes room for whatever it is that you desire to be fulfilled to fit in that space. And so I wrote this because the person had an epiphany. Um, They got a thought in their head about how life would be without me. But at that time, that person just wasn't ready for what I was ready for. And I had to step away. The dating scene is no joke. I mean, things are so different right now. And when I say things have evolved from when I was actually married, it is... 10 times, I don't know, just strange. I know I met my ex-husband in person um, through a friend. And nowadays, I feel like either you're meeting people through dating websites or you're getting direct messages on social media platforms. I'm the weirdo that every time a guy DMs me, I'm like, do we know each other from somewhere? And... So, you know, things are just so different. The way that we socialize and interact with people and look at people's social platforms to kind of get a better understanding of who they are and not really digging deep and spending intimate time with people. Um, Even though I can honestly say the advancements in technology give us the ability to have long distance relationships, to meet people that we would never think that we would be able to meet and connect on different levels, there's just something about the human interaction and then the difference in the chase. So, you know, it just seems like today or nowadays, um, not many men are really going after women. Um, It seems like they are, men are fine with being chased or women are fine with being pursued, you know, in pursuit of men. So things are really shifting and changing, um, in the dating scene. And, but one process though, um, well, I can honestly say that hasn't really changed much, but, um, one process I can honestly say is the interview process. I call it the interview process, um, getting to know someone, So I call it the interview process, but however, to be honest with you, with this generation, it seems like everybody's trying to skip over that process um, and just get right into it and get to know as you go along. But um, 
in the dating or courting stage or when you're texting and the conversations back and forth, you're going through like an interview process. And I feel like for the first 90 days, people are really showing the representative. They're trying to get the job if that's what they're interested in. And they are really showing you a representative. And I think that during this phase, um, or the reason why I wrote this chapter, the interview chapter, um, it was because I was just getting really frustrated with finding love. And it wasn't that I was actively looking for love, but I was looking for companionship. And I got frustrated with the process because it was daunting. I kept getting so many different candidates that would come into my life and show interest. But when it came down to the core of really putting in the work that was required to uphold the position to be um, the man in my life, it was just like it became a bit much. So I wrote a chapter about interview and I'm going to share that with you. Interview. The beginning of a relationship and getting to know someone is like an interview process. If you're like me, it can be very daunting trying to find a potential partner suitable for me and my son. Especially today in the social media ran society. When you meet someone, they are showing you the best version of themselves. The goal is to impress you to win you over through highlighting all of their good qualities. The dating process allows you to spend some intimate time with the candidate to learn more about them. Previously, I would not ask much and let things flow into full-blown relationships, only to realize at this point, the person and I do not have the same values or similar interests. So since my divorce, I have made it a point to inquire about the individual's desires, goals, and expectations from the beginning. When I dated at a younger age, I was fearful to ask certain questions because I was worried he would leave or suddenly become uninterested those damn abandonment issues of mine. Now at almost 33, or since I am 33, (laughs) I am confident in weaning off those who are not making a positive contribution to my life. I have a few strikes against me when it comes to this dating world. For one, I am a black woman, dark skin at that. Two, I am a single parent. Three, I suffer from the independent mindset because I did and do everything by myself. Four, I did own my own home and remain very career-driven and purpose-driven. To anyone else, there would seem like positive contributions to any relationship. Most men see it as intimidating or maybe they are boys. I've come a long way to where I am in my personal and professional life. I require the things that I give to myself within a relationship. Consistency is key. Take notes, ladies, when it comes to this dating process. Make sure that his actions match up alongside his words. Everyone has a different interpretation of love. Find out what love means to him. What was his childhood like? As this plays a huge part in how he views relationships. Now I see why employers require a 90-day probationary period for positions. It is required to monitor the new employee's integrity and consistency within their new title. You do well during the interview, the initial date, but once you get chosen, your commitment to the position begins to slack off. Communication is imperative. Keep the communication open about your likes and dislikes and set boundaries and stick to them. Then you have the candidates 
that know they are on a temp assignment because they never had long-term intentions with you, but they reap the benefits of the permanent position. This is not okay. We are confusing good sex with love and not getting to know the person. We as women love to talk, but take the time to listen to see where his head is at. I refuse to give temp employees my permanent employee benefits. This is a top-notch company that requires a dedicated staff. My texts have turned into candidate rejection letters, and the block option has allowed me to remove my emotions. I'm not looking for perfect. I'm looking for someone who finds me as one of their passions and is willing to bring us to another level. I have a lot to lose, and I'm willing to take the risk, but only with the right candidate. And it all takes the interview. Chilling with him while listening to her off my Spotify chill playlist. The moments were play on repeat in my mind. I went from having hope at a rum bar to having him physically in front of me. Eric Bellinger's lyrics I've been playing over and over again has become my reality. Even though cuffing season is almost over, a new season in my life is beginning. There are four seasons technically and I have become acclimated to them all. This one is different and one I have never seen experienced. Every aspect of the song he represents. Men in my life, including my father, have never showed up for me, not this time. He traveled miles for me, even with his busy schedule. He proved me wrong. I almost gave up on black men as a black woman. He always reminds me that even if things don't work between us, at least he gave me hope for black love. His love for black women and constant reference to them as queens completely erases the portrait of black women the men of my past have painted. His full lips speak intelligently and bring life into parts of my soul that I thought were missing. He is a man of purpose and knows where he is going, one I wouldn't be afraid to let lead my family. His alpha male persona diminishes with the sensitivity of his touch. I wasn't born with this fear, the fear of letting go. The pain of my past still affects my present as I came a long way from where I used to be. I'm afraid of taking this leap only to realize you won't be there to catch me. The distance allows us to keep the focus, focus on our dreams and goals and to allow things to flow. I'm not used to taking things slow, but what I'm used to obviously didn't work for me. The reminders from him to begin with a clean slate and an open heart, to acknowledge that you are worthy of the love and affection that comes from him. It's actually the first time that I don't fear losing out on someone. I detach from the expectations that I usually would have and accept things as they come. I embrace the time spent because with him, I am at peace. The old me resurfaces every now and then and gets in my head, but then I remind myself of what I ask God for. God always comes through and as his child, I am more than deserving. If nothing comes of this, The experience was a reminder of his image for me, him. Dating after divorce is so interesting because you really have this kind of like jaded view on relationships for a little bit of time. And it's really changed my perspective on relationships and 
just titles and all those different things. And um, it really just makes you think about the importance of a real foundation of a relationship and everything that we thought a relationship was supposed to be. Um, I've even identified with the fact that a lot of people are now realizing the old, like the generational um, relationships in their family. Like they're realizing that, you know, grandma and grandpa really didn't have the relationship goals that they thought that they did. And so one thing that I've come across with is that I have different needs. I have different expectations as I've evolved. Um, A lot of people spend so much time on focusing on the actual wedding, but not the marriage and the commitment that it takes to be in a relationship. Um, My marriage was unsuccessful, but however, um, I learned to love myself. Uh, It made me or it forced me to become in tune to who I am. And that gave me the ability to identify myself as this unique woman and all the different contributions that I can make to a relationship. And I value myself so much more because of how much I realized of an asset that I was to any family. And so... I wrote these chapters because I just had this really just emotional roller coaster journey and I still do when it comes to dating, getting to know men and really opening myself and allowing myself to um, love again. And I believe a lot of people in this generation are guarded and I think I'm pretty dope for me having the ability to, and anybody else that's in this stage that I'm at, but anybody else that's willing to let down their wall and really experience the fullness of what love has to offer is just amazing. Just going into things and loving fearlessly without the fear or understanding that you may have the risk of getting hurt and understanding that you're going to be okay. And so this podcast is just really about taking the time out to get to know someone, listen to their wants and needs, understand how your past and your inner child affects you and your dating relationships, how your relationship with your parents reflect into the choices that you make in regards to a spouse, and really taking the time to identify as a Black woman that we do overachieve and that we do focus on our careers and we do love and nurture everyone else, but we're forgetting sometimes to do so for ourselves. And being open to love and allowing the bitterness to, or allowing ourselves to heal in the transition of relationships and taking the time to get to know ourselves. Um, We really need that. We really do. And one thing that comes to my mind is that when it comes to dating and the current dating scene, we as women, if we just came together and worked together in a sisterhood, things would drastically change. Men are not changing because they don't see a change in us. And if we are expecting the bare minimum from them, that is exactly what they're going to give us. 
And so within our sisterhood, as long as there's women that are willing to do certain things, there's going to be men that are not going to stop doing or stop the behavior that they are engaging in. And so I am going to go into the interview with my friend, Chris Christo, who is, uh, has been a part of my journey and I wanted to share his perspective on being a black man in the dating scene and I hope you enjoy. Tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, including your age, what you do, and where you're from. And this includes your current relationship status. Oh, snap. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. (laughs) Okay, well, my name is Chris Christo, real name. Uh, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. I am, I do a whole lot. Everything is entrepreneur or business oriented, but uh, I have a firm where I sell utilities and essential services that I've been focusing on over the last 10 years. Um, To describe me, uh, I would say I'm a free thinker, business owner, and a shit talker. (laughs) Um, According to my taxes, I'm single and I'm gonna leave it at that. What? Okay, so what was it like for you growing up? Growing up? Um, hmm. Well, once upon a time, um, let me think. For me, I grew up lower middle class. Like I grew up in the, I grew up in a suburban, basically a suburban neighborhood in Washington, D.C. But not so, but you know, the, the bad parts of DC were, were literally a few blocks away from me. So I got a little bit of both. I grew up with a, a mom and dad. Um, my father had, was, of a, was of Caribbean descent. I had a stepmother and an adopted mother. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back on it now, you know, I, I think I had a relatively good childhood. You know, I got into trouble like most kids in the inner city, but you know, it molded me to where I am right now. And I feel as though I had a great upbringing. You know, I don't want to give, I don't want to dive in, you know, from from, no. from very beginning, since kindergarten. Right. So how impactful is a person's upbringing on their dating life slash relationships? How do you feel about that? Um, it's, it's, it plays a big role. It plays a big role. Let me set up. Got me hyperventilating. Hold on. Let me set up for a second. Okay. Um, <laughs> It plays a big role. <laughs> it plays a big role. I mean, not just in your relationships, your upbringing, you know, especially if how your, your relationship with your mother, your relationship with your father uh, has a big impact on how you see the opposite sex. Now, for me, I don't really believe so as it pertains to me because I've never really looked at my relationship with my mother and attached it to my relationship with women. But I've seen that throughout the time that I've been dating that it does play a big deal especially as you get older you get this you know as culture and values get implemented in dating you can see that if someone was raised right or raised wrong relatively it can impact how they see their partner in my opinion i agree do you so do you see any difference with women that you believe had a relationship with their father as opposed to women that did not yes yes 
Um, excuse me for a second. I'll get a drink of water. Two seconds. He wasn't ready for the question. <laughs> no, no, my 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 voice wasn't ready for the questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, as far as with women, what I've seen is of for a man starts with their father. If they don't have any love for their man, for their father, or they didn't have any brothers that they really had strong feelings towards, that you know, like I just think it's very important for a woman to have a strong relationship with her father. And because it, it replicates, there's a lot she gets from her father. There's a lot a father gives to a daughter, especially when it comes to self-respect and dignity. So do you think the same goes for men as well? Um, I think so, but not so much because I know a lot of men that have great relations with relationships with their mother, but they still treat the women that they date, you know, excuse my language, like some shit. So it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily translate all the way. Um, especially if they were in a single mom household, you know, a lot of single moms tend to, you know, baby or spoil their son. And when men grow up and that's all they have got from their mother, they expect women to do that back to them or replace their mother. So Growing up, did you have any examples of like healthy, loving relationships and what did that look like for you? With my parents? Yes. Oh, it could be anyone. If you've seen any type of like healthy, loving relationships. Um, the way I was brought up, I think it helped me a lot from the standpoint of um, I didn't have a necessary close relationship with my mother. So I didn't, I wasn't spoiled. I wasn't, um, yeah, I wasn't spoiled. I wasn't coddled. You know, she made me very independent. I didn't get what I wanted for my birthday all the time or most of the time. Uh, I was more of a daddy's boy, which was a good thing looking back on it. So when I, I just didn't get that from my mother and it made me the man that I am today from the standpoint that I don't look at women as they should take care of me or provide for me. Um, but I do understand that maybe I do, sh- I should be looking at women, looking at women from the standpoint, they should be nurturing and healing me since I didn't get a lot of that from my mother. But as far as the responsibility and accountability, the way I was raised with my mother definitely shifted me to the man that I am right now. So the question was more so like, did you have examples of like black love or loving relationships and what did that look like for you so meaning like it doesn't have to be just your parents it could be people outside it could be people within your family but what does a healthy relationship or look like for you Hmm. i i don't i don't i don't think i've really seen a lot of healthy relationships especially you know grew up in a black household like I didn't see a lot of people get married. I didn't go to a wedding until I was damn near 30 years old. I didn't really see a wedding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I wasn't, you know, in the black family, we would be girlfriend and boyfriend for 30 years because we just don't want to deal with it. So my, probably, whoever's probably still married since the seventies to somebody else. But I didn't see matrimony. And I saw some love. I saw some relationships. I saw um, examples um, of love. And I saw examples of hate too. 
So I got a good balanced perspective as it has to do with relationships as far as looking back on my family. Mm-hmm. So as a black man, what are some things you see black women struggle with when it comes to dating or relationships right now? Hmm. Good question. I think black women don't understand what it's like to be a black man and vice versa. Now, a lot of black men, especially that were born in the 80s and early 90s, we didn't have no father. I did, so I don't use that as an excuse. But a lot of my peers and a lot of my colleagues, they didn't because they they could have been caught up in drugs. They could have been caught up in incarceration. It's a lot of reasons why black men are the way they are today. And it becomes, it, it, it stems from they didn't have a nuclear family, nuclear household where they got the masculine principle from their father and the feminine principle from their mother. But I think black women's biggest challenge with black men is they don't understand what it's like to be a black man in America, especially when it comes to power. Because, you know, this country has a hierarchy of power. Number one is white man. Number two is white woman. Number three is black woman. And number four is black man. So as far as being a black man, we are looked down on. And we've we've been groomed to be only a certain, only a few different things. So there's a lot of attacks that come from being a black man that I'm not saying we should, you know, basically use it as a cop-out. But it does play a role in how, in how a black man um, treats a black woman and black women typically don't take the time to empathize and see exactly where they're coming from so what are some things since you're addressing that what are some <clears throat> things that you think that black women can work on in regards to understanding the black man much better um it stems from that hierarchy it stems from the hierarchy because it, it's, it really comes down to what a, what a man can provide and what a man can build and there's not a lot of opportunities for a black man to build outside, you know, being an entertainer and being an athlete. You know, we're not taught entrepreneurship. We're not taught real estate. We're not taught accounting. There's a lot of things that men of other races are allowed to get into. Not to mention, black men are not allowed to be alpha males. We're not allowed to be dominant. We're not allowed to be strong. We are, we have, we, we're not allowed to flex our muscles but it's innate, it's innate in us. So the only, the best way that we can be that without having any power is killing someone, killing someone or having a baby. And those are only two ways, there are only two ways that most black men feel that they can prove that they're masculine, prove that they have manhood. You know, white man, Asian man, Arab man, they can open businesses. They can, you know, they can start um, making an impact in politics. They have a lot of different areas where they can flex their masculine muscles but black men typically are not groomed to believe that they can even do that. And that trans that translates in their relationships and sometimes what they project onto their children as well. Hmm. That was an interesting perspective. <laughs> um, so why do you think more black men are choosing women outside of their race? Hmm. See, I, I can give you my personal point of view and I can give you my belief of why black men do You can that. do both. Personally, all men choose other women outside the race. It's not just black men. It's just that black men tend to marry them. You know, white men mess, messes around with black women. White men messes around with Asian women. It's just that they typically marry within their race. So 
were you referring to mess around or were you referring to marrying? Marrying. Okay, well, it's, it's, I mean, if you're a black man and you grow up watching television, you know, what are the most beautiful women on television growing up? Typically women of another race. Um, anytime we see black women on the television, we simply see the mammy, the big, overweight, ultra aggressive black woman. Or we see a woman on television with a lot of attitude and a lot of aggression. So a lot of black men are conditioned through media, through music, sometimes through their own personal experience to not want to settle for that. We'll love to sleep with it. You know, black women, you know, black women have black women features. So we will, you know, obviously want to be intimate with it. But as far as marriage, a lot of black men want want peace. A lot of black men want um, a solid foundation. And it's not to say black women can't provide that. It's just that we're not groomed and conditioned to believe that. Right. So, okay. So to get on more of like the dating standpoint, why do you feel that, um, how do you feel about women that are the aggressor and that are forward in their approach to men that they're interested in? I don't personally mind it because I'm the, I'm an aggressive forward person myself. So I don't, you know, shrivel up. It doesn't intimidate me. Anymore. It, it, for me, it's internal. I'm not, I'm fine with that. But a lot of men, it's not because they're projecting their, you know, their relationship with their mother and, and sometimes their mother coddled them and, and nurtured them and made them believe that a woman should serve them. So anytime a, a black woman, you know, um, shows up and she starts to show exactly who she is in the world, Black men can, you know, shrivel up and not not understand how to be with that or not understand how to actually have chemistry with a woman like that. Well, it's funny because a lot of people believe that, or I know I've been told on multiple occasions that it's, you know, the man's job to chase, um, you know, a woman that is the aggressor shows the interest and that can be an issue. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there there is. Man, men are instinct instinctually we're hunters, and we should be chasing. It's just that as you get older as a black man, you realize you don't have to, because the abundance of black women versus the num- the numbers of black men. So it's it really comes down to where you are in dating. Um, for me. It's healthy for me to pursue a woman because at the end of the day, a man like me wants to have somebody that he wants. And if you're choose if you're going out in the dating pool and you're going after a woman that you want, you always come back to that. You can meet a woman, let's just say you meet her at a coffee shop and you really took interest in her. If you end up marrying that woman, a man always goes back to that very beginning and, and he can always say to himself, This is the woman I wanted, this is the woman I chose. So, but to that nowadays, there's there is no reason to really do that because there's such a influx of interracial relationships, uh, homosexuality. There's a lot of things combating combating black women when it comes to dating their black man. So it's it's a lot of things they have to deal with. They have to deal with um, first and foremost, a lot of black men are in jail. Second of all, a lot of black men, you know, maybe are, you know, sexually have different sexual orientations. 
um, there's a lot of things that are taking black men out of the pool of, of dating. So the black men that are actually homosexual, I mean, heterosexual, and want to actually date black women, he has to pick up the litter because he knows what it's like out here for black women. So he doesn't really need to chase. He just needs to put himself in the right position. So what are some, you know, qualities or things that you think that a woman could do to kind of like improve her chances when it comes to situations like this and having the influx of women? Because I think that we do as women have a competitive mindset, especially black women. Um, when it comes to the dating scene and being wanting to be chosen. But what is something that you think is distinguishes a woman from a, a pack of women? For a black woman, it's, it will be her femininity. It will be her femininity because black women have been told this lie that independence is key when it comes to a relationship, when it's not. Like, we always hear men should be the providers, but the contrast to that, women need to be the needers. If you, if you want me to provide, you have to give me a need. If you want me to provide my seed, which is a family, you have to bring me a need. So men, women that actually show no need in men, whether it be financially, whether it be personally, whether it be spiritually, whether it be physically, if she doesn't express her need, a man is not motivated to provide. And every other race of woman is allowed to just be a woman if she if she just cho- choose to be. So I think black women have shifted so far on the professional side, but they don't realize the domestic side needs to be nurtured just as well. Now, I completely agree with you, but coming from my standpoint, um, I feel like we have been left in a position to where we have to be that independent. And one of my biggest fears, to be honest with you, was to become so independent that um, I would scare guys away. And to be honest with you, I think I've got there. But um, Mm -hmm. I do believe that I do have a need and I do have things that I need as a woman. And it's like when a woman gets in that position, what is a way for her to show the guy that she still does have needs and it may not be finances or it may not be certain things how is it that a woman can relay that when she looks or it looks like she's being portrayed as this really independent woman Uh, men are simple you can your words are powerful you can you can be handling your business paying all your bills you know living a healthy life being 100% independent and, but all you got to do is tell your man you need him. That's it. Just say, I need you. Those words are more powerful than I love you when it comes to a man. Hmm. That's interesting. Very interesting. So yes, I know you watched Insecure before and we have had some discussions in regards to the series. And I was just wondering, have you ever ghosted someone? And if so, what was the reason? <laughs> Ghost ghosted someone. <laughs> Probably in college, not in a not in a, 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 a relationship or on the way to being a relationship because I have a guilty conscience. 
So I've never done that. You have a guilty I have a guilty don't, 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 the listeners going to think I'm some evil sorcerer. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I get why men do it. I've never done it. So why? Do I understand you, why men. Why do men do it? Um, for, for a few reasons, they can be scared. They can um have a they can see. Here's the here's the thing you got to understand about men. We date in three different categories. We date to sleep with a woman. That's on the low end. We date to find a girlfriend. That's the second tier. And the third one is we date to find a wife. Sometimes when we're in our only dating to sleep with females, we run into a female that like might be more, but our, but mentally we're not there yet. And a lot of us don't have the fortitude or the balls to just flat out tell her, you know what, I really like you. I'm not in the same space as you, so we need to stop because I don't want to hurt you and I don't want to get hurt. So a lot of men just can't illustrate that, or they're fearful. They can't. They don't. They don't. They don't put that out there. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of men that had the only intention they had with a female was to sleep with her. And next thing you know, he's have feelings that he thought he shouldn't have had. And he's embarrassed by that, or it could be a lot of things. Now in the show Insecure, I don't I forget the guy's name. I think maybe he was just doing some things that were illegal or unethical. And he didn't want to express that to her. That was the reason why he relocated from Texas to California. I thought that he had some criminal stuff going on, but that was just me. <laughs> but it, it, it boils down to one thing, just courage and just just not being able to be honest now most of the people that i hang out with most of my girlfriends especially the ones that are single and including myself um we have this hard time understanding why men cannot be honest and transparent in situations like that so what is the fear behind telling a woman that you know you're not there what's the fear behind well that? Well, men and women have to take a lot of responsibility for that. Men start off being truthful to women. We really do. It's, but we see men that are, you know, full of shit and lying pull women. And a lot of times, even when we're in a relationship, you know, the truth hurts. And if, like, that's just what it comes down to. I, I can't count on my finger how many times I forfeited the truth because I feel as though if I told her the truth, it would hurt her. Because a lot of women are not, you know, capable of taking the tr- taking the truth. Like for example, if a man is spending time with his woman, and you know they're going out on a date, and he intends to sleep with her after the date, he's not going to let tr- some truth that he came up with that day ruin that. Now there are some women that can handle the truth, swallow it very well, and continue with the evening. But a lot of women shut down when they hear the truth, and and men have been conditioned, you know, to basically ration out the truth. Typically, after you sleep with her, that's when all the truth comes out. <laughs> Great timing, hey, guys. Hey, Great timing. Hey, it's, it's... Well, I think that's the wrong time just because at that point, it's kind of making that... Well, let, um, well, let me insert. It, depends what, it, Go ahead. it also depends on what kind of truth. Not like, not no, oh, I got 10 kids type of truth. It depends what kind of truth. It could be like, I really thought your dress was ugly. You know, something like that. <laughs> Not, it depends what kind of truth. 
still bad timing, guys. Hey. Bad timing. That's when the girls emotionally invested a little bit. Not all, but majority of the time, they start to get a catch a little feeling mm-hmm. depending on the sex. So, yeah, I just think that that's that's terrble timing. <laughs> okay, teach their own. Some some are, do you, but do you agree that do you agree certain women have different tolerances to different tolerance levels for truth? Um, that I do. I think that's what just people across the board. Um, but I do believe that I do believe in um, karma. And I do believe it's important for you when you're an adult, and especially in the position that we're in, um, to communicate these things and give people the option or the ability to make decisions on their own. And um, the whole confusion and frustration process can be a lot. And I think that if a man is just very straightforward about his intentions and where the relationship is going, um, because like you said, most men have their agenda already set when they're dealing with this woman. I agree. So it's like, just tell her. <laughs> I just don't it's get it. It's easier said than done. I will tell you my experience. I've There's certain women that, that a man can't be 100 with. He can be 77, he can be 88, but he can't be 100 with her. Now, that all has to do with your temperament because there's some females that will get mad at the littlest ounce of truth because sometimes women don't want the truth they just want you to they want you to tell them what you what they want you to hear they want you to pander to them yeah i yeah i've been there before wanting to hear what i wanted to hear and (laughs) um but i do think that honesty would save time and heartache yeah it it, it you know we're, we're on a podcast you know this is this is us being 100 rational and logical this is a whole different ball game with love and orgasms and all that is in the middle it's a whole different thing agreed all right let's get off of that okay <laughs> <laughs> so why do you believe so this is me personally what i i i get from the dating scene and I was wondering if you agreed, but I was like, why do you believe men are more strategic in dating as opposed to women being more emotional? Well, I mean, that's what makes a man a man, and that's what makes a woman a woman. You're talking about something archaic. And it's, you know, men are the thinkers, and women are the feelers. That's not to say women don't have the capacity to think, and men don't have the capacity to feel. But that's the yin and yang right there. So with men, that's just that's just how we are. Everything we do is the strategy. You know, we learn strategy as an early kid. It could be from the video games. It could be playing from playing sports. You know, we we figured out, and not to mention men, male, male, not not male, but manhood actually gets taught amongst men, and womanhood typically doesn't get taught amongst women. I'll give you an example. If a man sees another man struggling, dating, even if he doesn't know him, and he observes the conversation, he will pull that man to the side and be like, hey, don't talk to women like that. Talk to him like this. A lot of this happens in the barbershop. Like men actually have 
environments where we sit there and give each other honest game, meaning that we teach each other because we because that's what we do. Now, the reason why we teach each other because we don't because there's a abundance of women. We don't feel as we're not competing, so we can teach each other game back and forth. Women on the right. women on the other, other hand in the nail salon are not giving out all her secrets. I've seen women literally spew cliche propaganda to black women but she's exercising completely different principles to get to, to her man like i agree don't give out game as much the way men give out game yeah i definitely agree i i don't think that's for all women but it's very it's a lot <laughs> It's a high percentage of women, and I can honestly say that. And to be honest with you, um, I know from previous experience being in a relationship and just going to people for advice and their opinion, to be honest with you, sometimes it's not the best thing to do. Um, it's not. It's not. They're like, because they look at it as like, I'm not about to give you the, it's it's sort of like I give you a sports metaphor. It's like giving the other team all your plays. Right, right. Wow. In the crowd, so that's what it's not for. Not, not, but it's not like that for men. Like, there's a movie. It's a really good movie. Um, actually, I have time to Google it. Can I take t- ten seconds to Google it? I don't want to mess up the Go name. Ahead. <laughs> okay, give me a quick second. I just want to make sure I'm accurate. Uh, okay, movies. Um, some people have seen it. You ever seen the movie Crazy Stupid Love? I, no, I was gonna watch it before. It's old, right? Yeah, it's a really good movie. It's with by Steve Carell and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. It. And the reason why I'm gonna bring this up, and the premise of a, of the movie is basically a, a husband who lost all his mojo, and his wife wants to leave him. You know, she files for a divorce, and she also sleeps with one of her coworkers. And Ryan Gosling character in the movie sees. Steve Carroll's character in the movie just in the bar, you know, drinking and just basically being pathetic. And in the movie, Ryan Gosling is like a womanizer player. And he sees him and he's like, you know what? I'm gonna help you. And he basically teaches him how to dress, teaches him how to talk, and teaches him how to get his game back. And the crazy thing about that movie, that happens in real life. Men do that. Men literally like nurturing and coaching men towards women like like with black especially with black women and, and black men there's a huge battle of the sexes going on between black men and black women the only problem is black men we actually help each other black women don't mm-hmm. so it's crazy how that works well right and so i have this huge belief that as women if we come together collectively and create this whole sisterhood that some of y'all would kind of straighten up a little bit absolutely absolutely we would but we don't need to right we don't need to we don't need to i've actually had a conversation with a female friend of mine that i went to high school with and i guess she's dating and she told me like they need to be more guys like you you know that basically got their shit together and i told her i was like actually i was pulling a woman when i didn't have my shit together that's not that's not the reason why i did that there's always been an abundance of black women and black men never black men never are motivated to change for black women right we're not no we don't need to because black women can be you can be uh in law school at harvard law school 
and it could be a handsome guy with no job he can still get that law school woman I agree so it's so black so it's like black black men don't need to step their game up to get the women they just don't I agree like there's really no <laughs> there's really no gate right there yeah I, I it, it's just really an extremely a problem too because um and like I said and then that guy that that girl from Harvard picked up mm-hmm. he'll probably have two or three girls on the side or some or two or three girls he could choose from well, because well, that's because a lot of women are not don't give out good game, and that comes from the domestic side. The domestic, if you understand the game, you will understand men don't choose you based on your credentials. Men choose you based on how you look, how you feel, how you sound, very visual and physical reasons. So, um, there's a lot of women that don't understand what motivates a man, and they gotta also understand the man that they want. A lot of other women women want want him too so you can't you really can't play that game and then today's kids and how they act how they date is very very <laughs> disturbing because because we're in a situation where women are adapted this curve culture which i like which i like to put out meaning that they actually get a kick out of just blocking and deleting men i'm like you acting like there's you acting like there's a hundred there's there's plenty of them for you you know as long as you're not you know putting his hands on you disrespecting you wasting your money wasting your time you should have you know you should have some good standards but you should also have realistic standards and your standards should also reflect the market prime example if you only got ten thousand dollars you shouldn't be in a mercedes dealership you should be in a honda dealership mm-hmm. so you got to know exactly what you got and it has to be measured based on what's actually out there mm-hmm. all my opinion I ain't no guru this is just my opinion and I'm glad that you're sharing it. <laughs> okay, that's all. Um, so what is some advice that you would give to black women on the dating scene? And like you said, you had pointed out something that we have had conversations in regards to, um, you know, black women, you know, really just being so focused solely on like their careers and not really having a personality and identifying with who they truly are outside of what they do. So what is some more advice you would give to women? Um, Two things. Two things. Equal does not mean identical. Men and women are equal, but we're not identical. Meaning that the things that attract you to him are not the things that that, that he looks at you for. So for example, if you're looking for a man that's a provider, that's educated, that's stable don't think if you have that that's going to be cool for him or that's what he's going to be looking for because that's not the case meaning that you can't flaunt you can't flaunt irrelevant qualities to a man if a man wants a traditional woman if you want a traditional man you you, you need to be a traditional woman but we have non-traditional women out here looking for a traditional man like that's that doesn't go together um also um advice wise make your domestic side just as just as a priority as your professional side and the crazy thing about it the women that are only domestic they they typically have an easier they have usually have an easier time getting men so if you if you are motivated by your career profession i'm not ever going to tell a woman not to be motivated by that but let that be attached to your domestic side as well that way you can put that way you that way you have more options 
And when you mean by because domestic side, because a lot of women get that just misconstrued with like maintaining a household and stuff. What is your definition of the domesticated side? It has a lot to do with what you just said. Right. It has a lot to. Nobody, you know, if you if you if you can pay the bills, shouldn't be you know, rotten food in the fridge like that. They can't go together. Like you got to have a little bit of both. You got to have both. Is it really that? Not bad one or the other. Well, a lot of women are not. A lot of women has pushed that to the side. Like they, 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 and and now I'll say this again: If you're a professional woman listening to this, I'm not saying you shouldn't be professional. I'm just saying that a professional man does not care about a professional woman because you don't bring nothing to him. If he's able to pay his bills and your bills, if he has a car, he has his own place. You can't allure him with that because he already has that for himself. The only man that's going to be attracted to your well lust after your professional side is a man that can't take care of himself, and that's why a lot of black women end up with a lot of these black men that just mooching off of them and having babies with them, playing at home, playing PlayStation all day, is because he saw that you're professional. So he just figured all I got to do is be charming and give her some good dick, and I'm good to go. Like I don't need she can take care of me. Yeah. So. No. <laughs> so. <laughs> So it's a situation where I tell women be very wary of a man that's excited about you career-wise. I can see if he appreciates it, but if he's like, "Oh my God, where you work? Oh my God, you got that many degrees? Oh my God, how much you made last year? Oh, that's a nice car." If you get, if you find a guy like that, if he's really interested in that, subconsciously he might want you. To, he might want you to take care of him. But a man that's looking at you and you're like, and you, and you and you come to him and you're addressing what you do for a living and how you, what kind of lifestyle you have. If he's like, "Oh, that's." You know, if he comes across like he doesn't care, that's the man you want because he could take care of himself. So I actually, I think I wrote a blog about this previously too. I had saw, I, I went to Fairmount Park and I, I was watching a woman, she was in her Mercedes and she had this guy sitting in the passenger seat next to her. And it looked so unattractive to me at that point. Back in the day when I was younger, I was her, but um, it was so unattractive to me. and. I saw so much more than just the man sitting in the passenger seat. Um, I looked at it as okay. what I've noticed from black women, it's a sense of security too. And I think for myself, um, when you find that guy that um, makes less than you do and you feel like, I don't know, you feel like, oh, he's not going to leave me because I'm a boss chick type thing. And I'm making the money and this that, and the other. So it's like that sense of security for some women. Yeah, it's a sense of security, but you're not but you're not gonna be fulfilled. You're not gonna be fulfilled. And the thing about it, a man is gonna men men not only use women to, to provide for them, they use women as a platform for other women. So women, if they love you, they're gonna invest in you. They're gonna like, oh. You should cut your beard this way. Oh, you should get better clothes. Oh, you should read these books. Oh, man, for him to be date someone else, like that's 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 also the thing. You're not. You really are. You're really not. You're really not secure. You're very insecure because you don't know what he might do. What he might. You might not. Know, you might not know what you might instill in him that he can take somewhere else. Right. Right. And that's where a lot of women get frustrated about the fact of I helped build him. For someone else type situation well it's the man it, women i think women should take women should follow women should use the same strategy 
men use to get good women. When a man wants a good woman, he has to work towards her. When a when a when a woman wants a good man, she's she doesn't want to work towards him because a lot of women, um, and I think I posted it somewhere on my social media, they want to be fucked or sleep with a strong man, but they don't want to be with a strong man. Mm-hmm. That's the conflict. That's the conflict because you can't you gotta if you want if you because they come together. You know, you're not going to get somebody dominant in the bed and all of a sudden they're passive in real life. Like that doesn't typically go together. And if you want that, that's the problem. So you got to choose which side you go. You got to choose which side of the fence you are. So if you want a boss, you want a leader, you want a real man, expect him to try to lead you. Like I always tell women, you shouldn't be looking for a man to control you, but you should be looking for a man to lead you. Mm, I agree. That's a good one. Very interesting. So what is your viewpoint on the wall? Because I know this could be a fucking whole nother show. But um, <laughs> what is your viewpoint okay. on the history of the Black family? And do you believe things will evolve for us? Definitely a whole nother show. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. The history of where it can go. I mean, we, we, we're broken. We're broken people. We come from, you know, we we've been we're scattered. We don't know where our, you know, where we where where we come from. So a lot of that dysfunction has poured into the household and relationships. I think I don't know. I'm not too optimistic about black relationships in the future because I think more and more of multiculturalism is getting into play. People are literally just finding love in any in any way they can possibly find it. So I don't know where it might go in the future. I have no vision. I only have my own personal vision. But um, based on our history, I think there's a shift coming. A lot of black love is being proliferated on television and media. Uh, I just think the black man needs to take his place with all the other men. Like I said earlier in this podcast, every other man is allowed to be dominant. Dominant in business, dominant in politics, dominant in finances they're allowed to be that like for example not to get too political you see we we all know who the president is a black man couldn't be like that he just couldn't act that way or speak that way and it doesn't matter what you believe like that is say what you want about donald trump but he is an alpha white male and he's allowed to be that way and if you look in the middle eastern countries they have dominant arab men in china they have dominant chinese men the black man in america is not allowed to be that so the and we and the crazy thing about it, we want to be that, not not to the degree that we're arrogant or disrespectful or toxic, but we want a throne of our own, and I think we deserve that. Mm. That was a good answer. Well, I'm gonna end it on that those questions, but I really appreciate okay. you for even taking the time to do this, even though it took a couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, that's how I, that's, it'd be like that sometimes. <laughs> but I want you to let the audience know how they can reach you and if you can let them know like your social media platforms and any other websites. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, it's Chris, C-H-R-I-S, Christo, C-H-R-I-S-T-O. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, which is Chris, C-H-R-I-S dot C-H-R-I-S-T-O. So it's Chris Christo on Facebook and on Instagram, it's Chris, period.